Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. It is Wednesday night, and my schedule got a little thrown out of whack this week. I had a little dinner party thing last night, so I couldn't, I didn't have time to do my usual Tuesday episode. And I'm traveling this weekend again, leaving on Friday. So I don't think, I don't know if I'll have another episode out this week or not. This might, this, in all likelihood, this will be the only uh, uh, podcast I produce this week couple updates on the Sayulita Super Spreader front for those of you interested in that event. Go buy your tickets. The tickets are on sale. I will put the link in the description again. I believe it's just sayulitasuperspreader.eventsmart.com. That should take you right there. Don't drag your feet on this. Get your tickets. Start getting your, you know, your plane itinerary figured out as well. It is a Friday through Sunday event, so you might want to plan accordingly. Personally, I would stay longer if you could. I never liked going anywhere for less than a week. That's just sort of my own personal thing. Friday to Sunday would would be a lot of fun, but I, if you're going to stay for Sunday, you're going to want late afternoon flight, which shouldn't be a problem. I think they usually have a, a flight around like two or three o'clock, something like that. That should be me. I'm going to arrange the basic general admission package to be over, you know, early Sunday afternoon for people that want to fly back on Sunday late afternoon, early evening, something like that. But we are about three months out. So yeah, Friday, three months from Friday will be the first night of the event if you are in the VIP package group. I will be updating that landing page hopefully tonight. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been I've been burning the the candle at both ends here trying to get stuff done. I'm gonna try to put a little more information on there. I'll I'll link to some or I'll put some uh, contacts on there if you guys are looking for places to stay in Sayulita. Maybe I'll link to some of the the apps that I use when I travel. I don't know if you guys do a lot of flying or anything like that, but there's a couple apps I use that I really like to find cheap flights or like the best time to buy tickets. One is Hopper, H-O-P-P-E-R. You can put your your flight in there and it'll tell you if if they think, you know, now is the right time to buy your your plane ticket or if you want to wait. Maybe maybe prices will go down X number of dollars or something like that. In my experience, it's been pretty accurate. And so you can put your flight into that thing. The other one is Skip Lagged. That's S-K-I-P as in Paul, L-A-G-G-E-D. Now, the way that works, if you're not familiar with it, is it, it puts you on flights that 
stop in the in the city that you want to get off at, but it's not the ultimate destination. If that makes any sense. I don't know if I'm explaining that clearly, but like, let's say you wanted to fly from LA to Chicago. Skip lagged will put you on a flight that's flying from an indirect flight that's flying from LA to New York, but it's stopping in Chicago. And then you just get off in Chicago. And a lot of times you can find cheaper flights like that. I don't know if that will work going to Mexico. It might work for your return flight because a lot of flights out of Mexico stop in Houston or something like that, or, or maybe somewhere in Florida. I don't know. It kind of depends on where you're coming from. But it, you might be able to find a, a cheaper ticket using Skip Lagged as well. Then, of course, just regular old Airbnb, they have that, and uh, VRBO. Those are still, you can find some pretty reasonable places out, out around Sayulita for between 40 and 80 bucks a night, something like that, if that's what you're looking for. I will link to, I will uh, put my friend's contact information in the description of this episode as well. So if you guys want to text or email her and you want her to help you find a place and you can avoid having to pay, you know, the service fee and, and all that other shit that, that they can ding you with, with the Airbnbs. So uh, that that's another option if you guys want it, but hurry up and buy your tickets because uh, I, I need to know how many people are actually going to come to this thing. And the more tickets we sell, obviously, the, the more fun we can have. So the other thing, the other um, little announcement I have as far as that is concerned is, and this is not 100% guaranteed or anything like that, but I have been talking to Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty, and there is a very good chance that he will be living in Mexico pretty soon. Now, I don't want to blow up his spot too much, but... It's starting to look likely that he's going to be in and around the Sayulita area during the the time when this event is going on. And if he is in Mexico, he will be in attendance. So he will also be joining us at the Sayulita Super Spreader if what I think is going to happen takes place. And I like I said, this is not uh, 100%, but it's looking more and more likely every day. So we might have one other big name guest to add to the, the list of special guests, which I already think is, you know, I, we already have five, five guests. So this will put it at six and that will give us plenty of plenty of entertainment to uh, bring the house down Friday, Saturday and Sunday in Sayulita. So this is going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to want to miss it. So put in for that vacation time, get that flight booked, book your Airbnb, and uh, come on down here. You know, I was, I was sending out, you know, some tweets, kind of trying to promote this thing. And I know that we we talked a little bit about Joe Rogan catching a bunch of shit for mentioning ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, if he said that one, and all these other alternative treatments to COVID nineteen that don't involve the vaccine. And, and one of the best things about living down here is that all of that stuff is available at the farm. Like you can just walk into a pharmacy. You don't need a prescription. And they have just about everything that you could imagine uh, in, in terms of fun recreational drugs, in terms of, you know, things that you may need. Like you could be going to a doctor in the States and paying hundreds of dollars for prescriptions to things that cost, you know, 25, 30 bucks over the counter here. <laughs> you know, every time I go back to the States, I usually give some of my my close friends a heads up like, hey, you know, I'm coming back. 
you know, next week or whatever. Let me know if you guys want something from the pharmacies to bring you back. And, you know, in the past, it would always be something stupid, you know, like dick pills or maybe some diazepam or whatever. Like, you know, if you need anti-anxiety meds, they got all that stuff. It's just another reason to come on down here. But th- this year, it might be something different. Maybe they want me to load up on some horse dewormer or something else like that. But these, these drugs do make great little stocking stuffers. If you like, I gave my parents, I think I've mentioned this, a bunch of, you know, creams and ointments and stuff like that that they need at their advanced age. So you could get a lot of Christmas shopping done here as well on the cheap if you if that's what you uh, something you need to do. Or, you know, maybe you don't have health insurance. I don't know. You can you can go uh, see doctors out here. You can get the the medication you need without prescriptions. So uh, there there are many fringe benefits to coming down to Mexico for a few days, besides the amazing, unique libertarian event, the only of its kind, the Sayulita Super Spreader. And speaking of the the, the COVID nineteen, I saw that Fauci got caught in yet another lie and. I don't know if, if Ron Paul or uh, Rand Paul wants to take a massive bow right now. A month goes by after they have a spat, and time after time, he he's proven right. And it's there's something really frustrating about it as well because the you know the initial spot uh, the initial spat that they have always gets a lot of media attention, even from like the the main news outlets, right? The corporate press, MSNBC, CNN, they'll all talk about it. And then they'll have people on to defend Fauci and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll sing his praises. And it's like, it's like when they get something wrong in the newspaper or, or on one of their bullshit columns, they'll put the retraction, you know, three weeks later, 10 pages in. And then when Rand Paul gets proven right and Fauci gets proven for the fucking fraud liar that he is, not as much fanfare unless you run through like alternative news media coverage and stuff like this podcast, right? There'll be a million clips about Fauci telling Rand Paul he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then a month and a half later, when The Intercept, through a FOIA request, gets proof that Fauci is completely full of shit... And he did fund all of this gain-of-function research. You know, they, they don't roll with that. They don't run with that story, do they? There aren't a bunch of clips anymore or anything like that. And, of course, they're they're in recess now anyway. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate that that is the, the world that we live in. But that's why there's um a place for a voice like mine to let you know. Fauci is full of shit. <laughs> Can't say that enough. He's been caught in another lie. Lie after fucking lie, even with all of the cover that these bullshit fucking social media platforms run for him. The YouTubes, the Facebook, all all this shit that, that, you know, blows up my page, redirects traffic, shadow bans people. He's still getting caught in fucking lies. Anyway, that's, uh... All I really got to say about that. It's not like we didn't know that Rand Paul was right. You know, it's pretty clear that the the Paul family, they they don't really say something unless they're pretty sure that they're on the right side of the argument, right? Ron Paul has been right about everything. 
Rand Paul, you know, if he's going to pick a fight with Fauci, it's not just for the here and now for the headlines. It's because he's fucking right. And, you know, for any of the people listening that want to learn how to always be right about something, just just never pick a fight unless you're sure that you're right. And then, you know, maybe some time will pass before you're vindicated, but you will always be right if you only pick fights when you are 100% sure of what you're arguing about. Anyway, I hope you all had a nice long weekend. We had Labor Day was on Monday. I spent the weekend in a remote little village down the coast here, only accessible by boat called Yalapa. I'd been there many times before, but I just felt like kind of getting away for a while, taking a a nice weekend. My friend and their dog came along and it, it just laid back, you know, they've they had a lot of damage from the hurricane the the power was out most of the time so the the, the second pl- trip i've taken second weekend trip i've taken where there was no goddamn power most of the time and a lot of rain got caught in uh, like a torrential downpour on sunday so that made getting back quite the adventure had a lot of fun it was a nice little weekend hopefully you guys enjoyed your day off thanks to labor as well and there there's something that always really bugs me about labor day not the least of which being you know pussy politicians like Bernie Sanders trying to take credit for all sorts of advancements that the free market has brought about, you know, and attributing them to government or to like, you know, labor unions and things like that. And I actually, I got into a little thing with a bunch of Bernie bros on Twitter, which was just, I don't even know why I fucking bother, but (laughs) I I was kind of bored on, uh, was it? Yeah, it's probably Monday. I, I was a little bored. I'd just gotten back and I saw one of his tweets you know, the typical shit that's just like, it's like completely false. It's like provably false, but it, it's taught throughout schools, you know, from, you know, kindergarten through whenever that we have the weekend. We, we have labor unions to thank for the weekend, for child labor laws. You know, we can thank the government for that, for minimum wage and all these worker protections and everything like that. And it's very, you know, it's just very frustrating to watch so many people praise something that had nothing to do with, with those advancements. I mean, I have nothing against labor unions per se, unless, of course, they're in the public sector. I don't think government workers should have unions. I think that's bullshit. And I've gone over the case for that in previous episodes, so I won't rehash it here. But I think labor organizing is is a perfect, you know, free market function that would take place, absent all the other shit that we have. But to say that just because, you know, groups of, of workers got together and organized that they gave us this or they gave us that, or because of government, we have child labor laws and the minimum wage. I mean, while that's technically true, you know, government codified these things, that doesn't make them work, you know, that doesn't make them feasible. Simply passing a law doesn't change anything from an economic perspective. You have to become more productive in order for that law to be realistic. And there's all this love for labor and workers and and there's no appreciation for the people that make these jobs possible because the only way that you can get the weekend off or you know uh only have 8 hour work days without having a drastic decline in your standard of living 
is if some entrepreneur comes along and figures out a way to make workers more productive. They provide the workers with capital, plant, and equipment so that one worker can do the work of 10 people. So now that they are this productive, they can organize and they can say, hey, you know, we don't need to work seven days a week. We can only work five and you'll, you'll still get all this productivity out of us. And by the way, when it comes to the weekend, I think it had a lot more to do with religion than it did organized labor and unions and government influence and everything like that. If I'm not mistaken, you can fact check me on this, but I think it had more to do with people wanting Sundays off so that they could go to church, right? You had all these Catholics that wanted to go to church on Sunday. And then it was like, well, if we give them Sundays off, then we got to give all the Jews Saturday off because that's when uh, Jewish people go to temple. And so it was like, okay, take the whole weekend off. I think I think religion has more. You, you should thank religion for the weekend more so than you should thank, you know, some politician or organized labor or anything like that. But when it comes to this holiday, and it, it just bugs me that all these politicians, who, by the way, the vast majority of them have never done anything. They've never accomplished anything. They've been in politics their entire lives, like Bernie fucking Sanders has never had a goddamn real job in his entire life. He's never created a job. He's never made anybody more productive. And But they denigrate everybody that actually creates jobs for people. Everybody who came up with these ideas that increased our productivity exponentially. Ah, they're just greedy capitalists that are exploiting their workers. And if it weren't for organized labor, well, then, you know, everybody would be working in sweatshops for their entire lives for, for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And that's just this, it's just not true. It's just this dystopian caricature of how free markets work. And the sheer just fundamental misunderstanding about wealth creation and prosperity it is just awe-inspiring. I, I don't know any other way to put Like, nobody seems the least bit curious about, you know, if, if you talk to a lot of these Bernie bros and these democratic socialists, they they seem to think that everything w- was all hunky-dory, right? Then capitalism came along and started exploiting the workers. And all of a sudden, once we started capitalism, every parent on the face of the earth just came became like the worst parent simultaneously. And they all threw their kids uh, out to go work in factories and get their arms cut off and, and dig in the coal mines and get black lung. This is nonsense. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just think about it. The entire human existence up until our experiment in free market capitalism, you know, when we had the industrial revolution, the turn of the century, all that stuff, right? Up until that point, the entire human existence was child labor. Like that was one of the reasons why you had so many kids other than the fact that most of them died off was you needed a bunch of help to run your farm. You needed the kids to work. Kids were always working. Why were they always working? It wasn't because they had bad parents. It wasn't because we didn't have like greedy people to exploit them. It was because if they didn't work, the family collectively starved to death. You see, we were so unproductive. We were we were living a hand to mouth existence, you know. I always like to reference the that show, which I haven't seen in a really long time. I don't know if they're still making new episodes or not. Naked and afraid, right? Because that's basically 
you know, they've, they've made some adjustments to it over the years, but, you know, we come into this world with nothing, you know, that was how human beings started naked and afraid. And we have very basic needs that need to be met in order to sustain life, right? You need water, food, and shelter. Like those are the, the top priorities, right? You can only survive a few days without water. You're going to want some shelter from the elements, and you can go, I think, like three weeks without eating, but you're not going to be able to do much. You know, you're not going to have much energy or anything like that. But without tools, without capital, without specialization, it's very hard to do anything other than spend your entire day finding food, finding water, and building shelter. I mean, imagine, uh, imagine if everything just went away, every tool, everything that you had disappeared. All right, we had no shovels, we had no bulldozers, we didn't have any, you know, pots and pans or anything like that. It, w- it all just disappeared at the snap of a finger. And everything you had to do, you did it with your bare hands or you had to figure out a way to manipulate nature in order to do it. Now you couldn't chop down a tree because you don't have an axe. I mean, hunting, you'd have to use a, a big stick or something. I don't know. You know, maybe you could fashion a spear uh, out of something, you know, using rocks and things like that. But but hunting like big, you know, taking down a fucking deer or something like that is not going to happen, is it? Most most likely. So you got to figure out a way to catch like smaller. Game. I mean, but think of how long it would take to build something just to dig a hole if you didn't have any just basic tools. It takes much longer to produce like a lot less. Now, the only way that you can progress to the level of productivity that we have gotten to and that we, you know, that we started to experience during the Industrial Revolution is through capital, through uh, savings and investment and plant and equipment to make the, the worker more productive. So that you can produce the same amount of stuff that you had or maybe even more stuff than you had using less input to get more output. Less workers, less worker hours, and your standard of living doesn't suffer. So the same person with one of these industrial revolution machines can do the work of 10 people, produce twice as much in half the time. Until you figure out how to do that... You can't just decide to take the weekend off. You can't just be like, oh, we're only going to work eight hours. That was another thing Bernie Sanders is bragging about, the eight-hour workday. You can't just have your kids sit around and not work and not contribute because you're not productive enough to sustain your life. You're not productive enough to keep your standard of living without a massive drop-off. Yeah, just yeah. Imagine going to these uh these naked and afraid guys and be like, oh yeah, just take a couple days, take the weekend off. You don't have to worry about it. Well, what are you gonna do for food? Who who's gonna keep the fire going? You know, you 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 can't just dis- you decree that you're going to get to to do these things before you have the productive capacity in order to enable it. And that seems to be like the fundamental disconnect here as far as i can tell with the the bernie bros of the world and and those of us that are grounded in economic reality i mean if if life worked the way that all these lefty socialists and those these people that believe in in just government fixing everything if life worked like that it would be easy 
There would be no poverty to eradicate. We wouldn't have to spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And we're going to get into the next spending bill that the Democrats are working on here in a little bit. But it would be easy. Like, how do you eradicate poverty? Oh, you just pass a law. Just pass a child labor law. Boom. There you go. No more child labor. <laughs> or just say, hey, we're eight, eight hour week. Why, why stop at eight hours? Why not three hours? Weekends off. Why, why aren't we only working two days a week? Why are we working five days a week still to this day? Why haven't we become more productive? You know, that, that show like the Jetsons, they, they only had like three-day work weeks or something like that. And they had machines to do everything. They'd push a button and it would fucking do your entire goddamn day's work. All you had to do is push a button. You had a robot made. Your car would fly you around. Everything was done for you. But you can't just go into Bangladesh and say, hey, we're going to make it illegal for children to work. So now now there's no child labor, you know, and give ourselves a big pat on the back. They, they tried that. They tried doing that. And do you know what happened? Yeah, you guessed it. The people started to starve to death and the children turned to prostitution to make ends meet. So, I, I mean... I personally, you know, I think it would be great if there was no, no child ever had to work, you know, before they were like, you know, 15, 16, 17, something like that. That would be great. I I don't want a five-year-old working in a coal mine any more than anybody else does. But I recognize the economic reality and I'd prefer them to have a, a job where they go punch a clock rather than starving to death or having to get fucking prostituted. Those are the realities. And no law changes that until you become productive enough to withstand it. And that's all of these, all of these things that the, that the government tries to take credit for, that they try to give labor credit for, which, you know, I, I forget the numbers on this, but even at the height of labor unions, it was only a small percentage of the workforce was unionized. And they and they try to attribute all of this stuff to the labor union. That just is not true. But it's only through the free market, through capitalism, unfettered capitalism, where where workers are provided plant and equipment and capital with which to be more productive so that they can generate enough stuff, all of these goods and services, so that the, the children don't have to work anymore. And that's what happened during the Industrial Revolution. The average worker became far more productive than he was before because they were provided with plant and equipment. And so we could take the weekend off because we produced so much more Monday through Friday. And we didn't need the kids to go to work because that one worker could produce 10 times what he used to be able to produce. So we didn't need as many workers to get as much stuff. We didn't need as many work hours to get as much stuff. And that's all through capitalism, through savings and investment, through the entrepreneur, through ingenuity. And the truth of the matter is, like none of this stuff that they point to, the minimum wage, the reduction in hours, that, that all would have come about if it hadn't already through market forces. You know, Henry Ford's probably one of the best examples of this, right? The most famous example, right? He was paying his workers $5 a day 
which was more than anybody at the time. And it wasn't mandated. There was no federal minimum wage mandate that said he had to pay them X number of dollars. He decided on his own to pay them $5 a day. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot of money to you and me, $5 a day. But you see, we've had over a hundred and what, uh, eight years of the Federal Reserve destroying the purchasing power of the dollar. Back in, in 1900, we were on the gold standard. So an ounce of gold was $20. So they, if, if you put it in terms of gold, the average factory worker at Ford Factory was making an ounce and a quarter of gold a week. Five days a week, you know, $5 a day, ounce and a quarter of gold a week. Gold is at what? I don't know, like $1,800 an ounce now. What is that? Like 2,200 bucks a week. And remember, this is when there was nothing. So there was no income tax. There was no social security tax. There was no Medicaid, no Medicare. There was nothing. So that worker got five fucking dollars. They got all that money. So imagine pulling in $2,200 a week tax-free and getting to keep all of it as a fucking punch in the, you know, they would, they would have like one stupid job that they did, which is why one of the reasons why you had to pay them so much money. Because, you know, redundant, repetitive, monotonous fucking work that's, you know, physically demanding, it sucks. Nobody wants to do the same thing over and over and over again. So he had to, he had to pay his workers more in order to keep them working there because you get burnt out. But if, if you're paying, you know, three, four times what anybody else in town can afford, they're going to stay. They're, they're going to stay and, and you're going to mass produce cars cheaper than anybody else. But I mean, we're talking about, you know, some with some guy doing one monotonous job on the factory assembly line, right? Like putting together one piece of the car over and over and over again is making over $100,000 a year in today's dollars. Like 100, I don't know what that is, 110, $115,000 a year, 2200 uh bucks a week, tax-free tax-free, nothing taken out of it. He didn't need to be forced by the government to do it. And that was before unions too. I, I mean, what happened to that the average worker at Ford Factory after the unions got involved? What's the average starting salary there now? I, I have no idea, but it's probably closer to $50,000 than it is $100,000 or one hundred fifteen, hundred twenty grand, whatever that is. I guarantee you it's it's closer to 50. And yes, there are nicer working conditions and, and everything like that, but that's a natural evolution of capitalism, of becoming more wealthy and more productive. You know, it's just like anything else. Go back to the uh, naked and afraid example. It's like once you get your basic needs taken care of, you can start to work on some more luxurious items. You know, once they get their food and their shelter and their fire going, then they start to fashion some clothes, <laughs> things like that and and whatever. Uh, once you you become a lot more productive, and a lot richer as a society, you can start making demands for better work conditions and things like that. But they've done studies like this. I forget, was it Guatemala or something like that? Where this guy went over there and he pulled like a bunch of these, you know, these poor workers. And he's like, hey, you know, what if instead of giving you all of all of this money, we give you a little bit less, but we give you an extra day off, like an extra, you know, a weekend off 
or we get you some air conditioning or, or you know some of these other workplace benefits to make your your job more enjoyable and get you some more time off and they honestly don't want it they they like over the vast majority of them it might have even been 90% it's been a while since i read this study but the vast majority of them preferred lesser working conditions and the longer hours and getting the bigger paycheck than they did taking a smaller paycheck and having air conditioning and thing and days off and things like that. Now, yeah, in a perfect world, wouldn't it be nice to just get everything? Obviously, they they would take that, but there's always a trade-off. You can't just you can't just decree these things and have them take place. You have to become more productive in order to enable them to take place. And it, it's just amazing to me that more people aren't curious about this or they don't think it through. Like if all you had to do was pass a law, minimum wage, time off, long weekends, all you had to do was pass a law. Why Why is there any poverty anywhere? Why don't they just go around all the poorest places in the world and just say, hey, you got to pay these workers 50 grand a year <laughs> and uh, they get the weekends off and there's no child labor or anything like that. Why not just pass the law? This should be so easy. We should have been done with all these problems a long time ago. But you see, if you don't understand how wealth is created, how these problems are actually solved, how you become more productive, if you don't understand what drives an economy, savings and investment, and you get it ass backwards like these Keynesians, and you think just spending money fixes everything, well, then you get these politicians coming along with three and a half trillion dollar spending bills infrastructure plans, an economic blueprint that's going to, you know, they they haven't been able to do it yet. And we're at almost $30 trillion in debt. <laughs> Still, we need another three and a half trillion to, to really, uh, you know, build back better, they say, you know, and it's just in, until they figure out and they, I mean, they're never going to figure this out because it's not in their interest to figure this out. Politicians like to spend money. They like to spend other people's money. And we have been conditioned as Americans to think, ooh, yes, this is the job of politicians. This is what the government is here for, to spend money on infrastructure, to take money from the rich and spend it on things that we need. And that's how you build a better society. That's how you become richer. That's how you fix the roads and the cities. You clean up the cities. You know, this one Bernie bro was telling me that, you know, the uh, the FDA or the, uh, you know, the FDA and the EPA were responsible for all these great things. Like the EPA cleaned all these cities up and everything like that. Okay. Okay. Um, imagine what the private sector could do with three and a half trillion dollars that wasn't taxed from them in one way, shape, or form, and it was allowed to be put towards its best and most needed use in the most effective way possible. But no, no, government knows best, and they are here to tell you that they're you know, you know the, the Democrats are are coming up into a pretty hard month here in September. They got to finalize this huge spending bill. Okay, they want. Three and a half trillion for this huge infrastructure plan. And then there's like another 500 billion or so in a different spending plan that they're working on. So it's basically four trillion altogether, from my understanding. Not only do they need to finalize that, I think by September 15th, so by next week, 
They have to have the details of that. They they have to get, I mean, they have razor thin margins here in the Senate. The Senate's 50-50. Kamala Harris is going to be the tiebreaker, but if they, and no Republicans are going to sign on to this, a three and a half trillion dollar bill. They just won't do it. Um, not out of principle, just because that's how you play fucking politics. If it was a, a Donald Trump spending bill for three and a half trillion, I'm sure they would all be on board. But there's even some moderate Democrats that are balking at the price tag of this ridiculously large, like three and a half trillion used to be the entire federal budget before we went into like fucking insane COVID mode and spent seven trillion. And they just want to spend that in one fucking bill. I mean, these numbers are, are just astronomically high. They're way too big to comprehend. But this would be the biggest waste of money that the government would ever do. And you can tell, like, they just keep getting bigger and more brazen with these bills. And, you know, thousands and thousands of pages. They are, we are in the last throes of this form of government. And they are just looting it. They are just going to go for, you know, they're going for broke. And I say we should let them. The other thing that's coming up uh, soon is the debt ceiling. Janet Yellen just came out in a letter to Congress and said that they're going to be out of cash. They're going to exhaust all cash and extraordinary measures by October. Now, extraordinary measures is their euphemism for just bullshit, shady accounting, off-budget items and and workarounds to get, you know, to figure out a way to spend money that they're not authorized to spend and make it look like they're not spending it. It's the kind of fucking shyster accounting that would get you thrown in prison if you do it. But, you know, the federal government does it. It's just an extraordinary measure, right? And, you know, we do these extraordinary measures all the time. And they, they, you know, they've suspended the debt ceiling, which, I mean, they suspended it like over, like, what was it, like 2019? Something like that. I, I forget when the last time they just, it's like, yeah, we're not going to do this ceiling anymore. We're just going to suspend it for a while. They, you know, they really need to rename this thing. It's never been a ceiling. Every time we've come up against it, they raise it. After, of course, a bunch of fucking political theater and hemming and hawing and we're going to shut down the government or pretend to shut down the government and that whole fucking farce. So we're, we're nearing a, a government shutdown here. Unless, of course, the Republicans get their tax cuts and offset spending bullshit that never comes to fruition. But this is just another political tool that they use in order to get some something that they want politically. Okay, we'll raise your debt ceiling if you give us this. And we'll do that if you do this. And it's bullshit. I mean, the, the debt ceiling, it, it should be renamed the debt target. Because that's what it is. They, they name it an amount of debt that they want to get to, call it $30 trillion, And in a few short years, shorter and shorter years that, as the years go by, they hit that target and they move it back a little farther. Okay, we got to 30. Let's see if we can get to 35. As if this is hard to do. As if it's hard to just run money off the printing press and dole it out to all these special interest groups and buy a bunch of votes with it. I saw another Bernie Sanders tweet earlier today, 
And it was something about, you know, we have a moral obligation to fight climate change and, and spend all this money on that because, you know, we're destroying the planet and we have a moral obligation to make it inhabitable for our children and our children's children and all that shit. But apparently they don't have any moral qualms about burying future generations in debt that they are never going to be able to pay back. Bernie Sanders is going to be dead, but after he's long gone, there are going to be people that aren't even born yet, that didn't get a chance to vote on any of this, didn't have a say in any of this shit, that are going to be saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. No moral qualms about that. Apparently it's fine to write a check that other people have to fucking cash. Apparently it's fine to, to borrow a bunch of money on the backs of people that haven't been born yet, that don't have a say in this sacred democracy, so that we can spend in the here and now, so that we can live above and beyond our means. And that's what's happening here. We have been living beyond our means for as a government, my entire life, and it's just getting completely out of control. But even just as Americans, you know, Americans are in debt up to their eyeballs. Our government's in debt up to their eyeballs. We, we can't do this forever. And we're piling debt onto people that it's really unfair. It really is unfair to, to borrow money and put it onto future generations, saddle them with all this shit. I have a problem with that morally. <laughs> you know, if they want to spend three and a half trillion dollars and all these fucking voters, all these Bernie bros want them to spend three and a half trillion dollars, then come up with the three and a half trillion dollars right now, right now, not 10 years from now, not 20 years from now, right now, tax three and a half trillion dollars from the American people. And then you see if they really want all of this shit that you're talking about, if they really want to fucking pay for it. And then, of course, if they do, the other obvious question is, what do we need all these fucking busybody politicians for? They're just dead weight. They're just fucking siphoning off 80% of the money that they take and burning it on all this bullshit and pocketing it, getting rich off this whole fucking racket. I mean, it's amazing. Who will build the roads? Who will do this? Who will do that? Who's doing it now? <laughs> the government's just the middleman that costs a shitload. You don't think we could figure out how to do everything that Bernie Sanders wants to do like 10,000 times cheaper, more efficiently, if that's really what we wanted to spend our money on? But nobody wants to spend the money on that. They want to push the cost on to somebody else. That's why it's always, oh, we're going to tax that guy over there. We'll tax, we'll raise the taxes on the rich. You don't have to worry about it. You're getting the free lunch. You get all the benefits and none of the price tag. Well, that, like everything else out of a politician's mouth, is complete bullshit. It is a lie. Because you are getting taxed for it one way or another uh, through inflation, most likely. And I got some inflation numbers to, that we can go over here in a second. So you are paying for it through inflation, even if they don't directly tax the dollars from you. And then the rest of it's just being put off on your children and your grandchildren. So if you're so fucking concerned about your children and your grandchildren, stop trying to get the government to spend four trillion dollars in one spending bill on a bunch of bullshit that we don't need how about that i mean what's a bigger threat a 30 trillion dollar debt right now or a half a degree increase in temperature in theory <laughs> like 50 years from now anyway um all of this stuff you know it's 
going back to like the every everything I was talking about with with labor and, and productivity and everything like that. Th- th- this all becomes possible. All of these things that we want, all these things that we think we deserve, all of these gripes that we have with our everyday life. Oh, we don't have this. We need that. We need more of this. It's only because capitalism has made us rich beyond our wildest dreams that we can look at you know at the the poor part of America or something like that and protest it and get angry about that. I mean, you know, it's not like they didn't have like big protests or anything like that to end poverty back in the year 800. Poverty was just the way of life. That was the human existence. But now we've become so wealthy that we can look we can look at the parts of society that don't have everything that we want them to have. And we're like impatient about it. We're indignant. There's no uh, gratitude toward how much progress we've made. It's always like, well, this should be better and politicians should should fix it. And they should tax the rich to do it. And to sit here and worry about some theoretical climate thing where when they've been, when all of their models have been proven wrong, as wrong as anything they've come up with the coronavirus, sit here and, and fret about that when there's like legitimately going to be shortages and people starving and homeless people, the likes of which we have never seen. You you know, you think they're worried about climate change in Venezuela? They're not. They're not. They're worried about where their next meal is coming from. You know, this is a luxury. We have the luxury of worrying about things because we have been so productive through free market capitalism. Despite all of the government intervention up to this point, we have been able to create enough wealth and enough prosperity and opportunity that we have the luxury to worry about other things that are not going to be problems. But it's coming apart. We have flown way too close to the sun on with wax wings or whatever that Greek uh, mythology thing was. Icarus, right? We're already starting to see shortages. We're already starting to see really, really high inflation numbers. KFC uh, fried chicken, right? They're in, the entire industry is facing massive supply chain issues. Taco Bell, Starbucks, KFC, McDonald's. They've all had to warn customers about limited menu items items and shortages. I've mentioned this before on the show, but KFC has told Bloomberg that it can't advertise its chicken tenders on TV anymore because of the chicken shortage. Now, now some of these supply issues is because there, there aren't any workers to work in these factories. There are 2.2 million more job openings than unemployed workers. So there's plenty of open jobs and nobody's taking them. Because of all this COVID shit, because the government's paying people not to work, probably a lot of it might be because of some of these vaccine restrictions that are coming down the pike. But this isn't going. I haven't seen any indication that this is going to change anytime soon. And paying people not to work, paying people to stay home instead of having them go to the factories and produce stuff, all that's going to do, like we've talked about a bunch of times on this podcast, is it's going to exacerbate inflation. And we're seeing those numbers now. The prices of, uh, you know, I saw, I forget what this guy's name was, but he was giving a, a press conference trying to address the gro- the soaring cost of groceries. And he's you know, comically, he's like, well, if you take out the cost, the, the price of beef, pork, and chicken, 
then the the prices aren't nearly as high as they were. You know, those have like seen like two hundred percent increases in prices, and the rest of the groceries have stayed relatively the same, and and fruits and stuff like that have even gone down in price. I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, if you just strip out all the things of prices that are going up, there's no inflation. It, it really is unfucking believable that they can say this stuff with a straight face. We just take out the price of everything that's increasing, beef, chicken, and pork, then grocery prices are perfectly in line with, with inflation numbers. And they do this stuff all the time. They do this with the CPI. They, they pick, dip, pick and choose different things. They reverse engineer this shit so that the inflation numbers don't look nearly as high as they are. But you guys are the ones going to the store. You're paying the actual prices. And they can only keep up this fucking charade for so long. But I just, I just thought this was absolutely delicious <laughs> to have a guy get up there with a straight face and be like, yeah, you know, I know there's like a 300% increase in the price of beef and nobody can afford to eat anything other than vegetables right now. But if you just take out all the bad stuff, all the stuff, you know, like, like they do with, uh, they, they strip out food and energy when they're reporting the CPI. It's like, oh, okay. You know, prices of everything are, are remaining stable as long as you take out all the things that you fucking spend money on to survive food and energy i mean what else is there it's like gas electricity food to <laughs> take those out and prices aren't increasing it's like okay so i could just fucking sit there and, and do what and, and spend my money on what yeah, obviously if you're not buying food or energy <laughs> like what what else what else can you buy oh god just take out the you know the cost of all meats and, and you'll be fine i guess we'll all just become fucking vegans now obnoxious fucking vegans will just eat a bunch of lettuce and tell everybody about how we're vegan and and the price of that hasn't gone up at all <laughs> unbelievable but there are some major inflationary pressures all around us and make no mistake about it it is because of our monetary policy it is because of spending bills like the one that they're trying to pass here with a three and a half trillion dollar price tag they're never going to come close to making that up through taxation so how do they get, you know, how do they account for the difference? The Federal Reserve. Well, the Federal Reserve is going to buy all the fucking bonds. Except here's the, here's the thing. The Federal Reserve is talking about unwinding its QE process, right? Because the, the inflation's starting to run a little hot. And so we're going to start unwinding the QE a little bit. Well, how are they going to do that and buy all these government bonds at the same time? How is the Fed going to simultaneously tighten and ease? And if the Fed's not going to buy these bonds, who is going to buy these government bonds that yield nothing? <laughs> yield absolutely nothing because that's the only fucking amount of interest that we can afford to pay. We can afford to pay zero on our debt. And this is all coming to a head. We're essentially trying to do what I said was impossible, which is have politicians decree something and without us becoming more productive, somehow we're going to will it into existence. We're spending money we don't have on things we can't afford and probably don't need. And average everyday Americans are going to start to feel the price tag of this. They're going to start to feel it in their pocketbooks. You know, we wonder why all of the, the people my age and younger are so unhappy. They're so angry. They can't get ahead. They're overpaying. They're going into debt to get worthless education. They're qualified for nothing when they graduate. They get a shitty dead-end job that they could have gotten before going to college. 
And now the government's doing everything it can to destroy what's left of the purchasing power of the dollar. We have been bamboozled. We have been tricked into thinking this is the way that we should live our lives, that this is the government's responsibility. This is the role of government. Look, I mean, go back. Imagine being a factory worker. Imagine making $115,000 a year tax-free. How much money do you think you would have to make today in order to take home $115,000? Your take-home pay after all the fucking taxes, after all of the payroll taxes, the income tax, the capital gains tax, all that stuff. How much do you think you have to make? Probably north of $200,000 would be my guess. Could be wrong on that. You know, I don't know. Probably depends also on what states you live in. And these guys were factory workers. No college education, probably no, not even a high school education for most of them. And they're just, you know, putting the fucking hubcap on a fucking car and they're making the equivalent of $115,000 take home pay. And yes, they didn't have em- employee funded health care, but they had plenty of money to go buy it. And it was cheap because the government wasn't involved screwing up the market. Everything was fucking cheap. Prices were coming down not going up. We had deflation. The entire time we were becoming more productive and the standard of living of of the average American was going through the roof, prices were coming down the entire time. The government steps in, tries to take credit for trends that were already taking place in the free market, like like there was a parade walking down the street and they jump in front of it and act as if they've been leading it the whole time. And they take credit for it, and we started to believe them. We started to believe all their fucking bullshit. And then they started to promise us everything under the sun. And what has happened to the average worker since the government got more and more involved in their life? It's gotten better or worse? Just look at the numbers. I mean, that factory worker used to be able to support a wife and like three or four kids on the one factory job. Now, in order to get that that sort of income, a six-figure income, you have to have at least two, you know, the, the wife and husband working. And then you got to figure out what to do, where to put your kids during the day. You got to pay for some child care. You got to pay into Pons- government Ponzi schemes left and right. Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. And the government squandered all that money too. It's all gone. There's nothing there. There's nothing in the Social Security lockbox. We've gone over that. They have fucking stolen from everybody, and they've squandered it. And we have nothing to fucking show for it. Absolutely nothing. Unless you're over in Afghanistan, then you got like 30,000 fucking tanks, a couple helicopters. They've got stuff to show for it. We don't. We certainly don't. Everything, you know, our infrastructure is apparently crumbling. Our grid system sucks. How the roads in your town, I remember in Chicago, they're complete dog shit. School systems, dog shit. They have been running a racket for hundreds of years, fleecing the American people. And we've been propagandized to believe it, that they're doing this because they care about us. It's in our best interest, this and that. Don't worry. You don't have to worry. It's stressful to worry about that. stressful to plan for your retirement. We'll just take a little bit from you now and we'll we'll take care of your retirement. It's all bullshit. They've squandered everything. And we are in the last throes of this thing and they are going for broke. They are going to take everything else that's left. 
If it's not nailed down, they're going to try to fucking take it. That's why it's so frustrating that people still believe all of these lies that politicians tell us because we, we're stuck in their fucking government schools our entire lives. You know, according to these these Bernie bros I was arguing with, I'm a cuck for capitalism. Uh, I, I guess. I don't know. I'd rather cuck for capitalism than for fucking socialism. I never heard any other I, I, uh, better ideas. I, I didn't hear them put forth any ideas to create more wealth and more prosperity and opportunity for more people. As far as we know, capitalism is the best way to do that. Now, there could be a better system that we haven't come up with that puts capitalism to shame. Maybe, maybe. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but the ideas that we've come up with so far, <laughs> socialism, fascism, communism, some sort of, you know, mixed economy where, you know, public, private, yada, yada. No, that stuff has been an abject failure. It just hasn't failed completely yet, but the writing is on the fucking wall. And the trajectory that we were on during the Industrial Revolution, post-Industrial Revolution, before the Federal Reserve, before the government just got involved in every aspect of our life, we were on that trajectory to live like the fucking Jetsons, to have the three-day work week, to have robots doing everything for us. We were on the trajectory to eradicate poverty. Look at the chart of poverty. It was a downward slope that any one of us would kill to go skiing on. Would have been fun as hell until the government stepped in and, and declared the war on poverty. And then it leveled off completely. And we haven't made a fucking gain since. Well, sure, you know, they've eliminated poverty in Washington. They're all getting filthy fucking rich off of this thing because they are stealing from every single American left and right. This, this three and a half trillion is just the, their latest looting of the American people. They're getting filthy fucking rich off of this whole scam, and they've got the vast majority of the American people buying into it for some reason, despite the awful results. I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, some bimbo fucking bartender, is going to be worth millions in a few years. Millions. And for what? Because what? Because she pretended to care about, you know, the downtrodden in America. This is a scam. H how much more evidence do we need that they are robbing us blind? And what's unbelievable is that the people that are actually stealing from you and giving you no value, giving you nothing in return, are all these politicians that people support blindly, blindly support. All they have to do is pay lip service to you every couple of years, tell you how nothing is your fault and they're going to fix this problem and they're going to fix that problem and it's somebody else's fault over there. And it's usually the person, you know, some rich guy who got rich by solving a problem in your life, by making your life exponentially better. That's the crime that, that, that happens in the private sector, the entrepreneur. That's his big crime was creating value for other people. That's how they made their money. How did these politicians make theirs? Oh yeah, through theft. Through theft and coercion. Everything they get involved with has been like that. And they keep piling and piling more and more money into this failed idea, this failed system that somehow government is here to provide for you from cradle to grave. It's not. I mean, we're literally adding cost onto, the, onto everything. You know, instead of just buying your health care directly, you have to pay for your health care, and then you have to pay for this enormous government bureaucracy on top of it to, to uh, you know, they claim to manage it, right? 
but really they're just making everything more difficult and more expensive the entire time. They're just a cash burn. There's no reason for government. There really isn't. They don't do anything that we can't do ourselves. All they do is cause conflict and make things more difficult and more expensive and waste money on things that 90% of the American people don't want them spending on, spending it on in one way, shape, or form. We don't need it, and we can't afford it. We certainly can't afford the government that we have today. Nothing they're claiming credit for is ever the result of government. Anything that takes place that's good happens in spite of government. They don't produce anything. All they can do is take from people that have produced and give to some other people. That's it. That's it. And destroy, you know, 60-70% of the wealth in the process. And sure, they can take credit for all the death and destruction around the globe. They got a big hand in that. But if you're a worker and you're enjoying your weekends off and your eight-hour workday and you're, you're glad you don't have to put your kids to work in order to put food on the table, don't thank government for that. They didn't do anything to bring about those changes. That was capitalism. That was the free market. That was the American people becoming more productive through savings and investment. Not from growing the size of government. All government has done every step of the way is make it more and more difficult to be productive. I mean, look at all the challenges that they throw at somebody that's trying to start a business today. The cost of doing business. The, the taxes, the regulatory bullshit that you have to go through, the licensing, the permits, the, you know, the HR issues, all of this extra cost and extra stress and headaches and everything like that. They have only made it harder to, to become more productive, which is why we're seeing such a drop off in productivity. And even if you're one of these beneficiaries of some government program and you're actually receiving something from the government, don't thank the fucking government. They didn't do anything. All they did was steal on your behalf and give you a portion of what they took. You should still be thanking the person that they stole from, who in all likelihood would have given it to you anyways if you had asked for it nicely. Like the American people are very charitable people. And if you need something, I mean, look at all these GoFundMe campaigns that we have. If you really needed something, there are people out there to help you. But it's not like... Nancy Pelosi actually did something for you. I don't know. She just sent her fucking minions over to go steal from somebody else in order to give you whatever you're getting. Is that really who you want to thank? Nancy Pelosi now? Instead of the person that actually produced whatever it is that you're getting, that's actually responsible for it? You see how they polluted everything? Stop looking at these, go at these government bodies as these politicians, as some benevolent... You know, these benevolent people that are doing things on your behalf. They're not. They're out for themselves. They're doing it for themselves. And yeah, they have to give you a little something that they take. First, they take from somebody else and they give you a little something in order to further their own political careers. Y you getting something is just a byproduct of them furthering their own interests. And trust me, what you're getting pales in comparison to what they're taking from you ultimately. It's going to cost you everything if we keep letting them get away with this. If they keep creating all this inflation, you're going to be left with nothing. And there's not going to be anything for them to take to give to you because nobody will be producing anything and nobody will have anything to take. So don't let them take any of the credit. They deserve all of the fucking blame. The credit goes to the American people. We did this, not fucking Joe Biden or Donald Trump or the Bernie Sanders of the world, 
the uh, the Chuck Schumers, the uh, who's the turtle looking guy. <laughs> the the idea that these people are responsible for any of the fucking good things in your life is absolutely ridiculous. Don't believe the lie. Call bullshit because that's what it is. Anyway, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys. I'm probably running way over time here. Thank you so very much for listening. Don't forget to buy your Sayulita Super Spreader tickets and check out our merchandise store. I put up some more designs in there. I only had a few last week. I've added a lot more, mostly just memes and stuff that you can get. Some of my favorite like libertarian memes that you can get on a mug or something like that. So go check that out. I will link to that in the description. And become a supporting listener of the show by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and setting up a recurring monthly donation that will get you into the private uh, happy hour group that we do every other Friday. And if you guys can do all that for me, I'll be back probably next week early next week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.